Welcome to Side Talks. You like it? Just, yeah, that's You great. like it? You should put some music behind it. So I have a new segment. Okay. It's called I Have News. Okay, what's your news? I have news. This is part of the intro. I'm just doing it as part of the intro. You sure. like it? It's uh, great. I have news. I went to the dark side. Uh-oh. I went to the deep, deep dark side. What, what, what does this mean? I got a trial subscription to Disney+. Plus. Well, do you want to guess why? Because of the Taylor Swift thing? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, was it? It's wonderful. It? It's so wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful. No, I'm gonna um, dispute the charge. Uh, oh God. Okay. Hi, I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm Corey Kraft. I listened to three tracks on that Taylor Swift album since we last recorded. And you loved every one of them. Um, one of them was pretty good. The others. Okay, stop right there. Okay, right. Let's get to talking about the thing we talk about, which is Taylor Swift. All things Taylor Swift. Here we go. What's this shit? I didn't even have time to take my headphones off. <laughs> you just screeched at me right out of the gate. Everybody hates it, and I keep doing it. Well, I think that's the reason you should keep doing it. I know, it. I know. Okay, you're going to get this one so super quick, right, I feel like. It. It, it is the holiday season, Corey, so I'm bringing you a holiday one. Uh-oh. Okay? So, um, what is this shit? I'm just... You know, just landed on some stuff. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm on the tread. I'm looking at the screen. Not really, but, you know. Um, and there is a fight in the middle of the street. There is oh, a, okay. a, really the middle of the sidewalk. Fussing and fighting, and it's Santa's fussing and fighting. Santa's, huh? Santa's fussing and fighting. Okay. So it's a Santa fight. Okay, Santa fight. And one of the Santas is screaming, show me your papers. Show me your papers. And then it breaks into a chase scene. Uh-huh. Where the song "The Bird Is the Word" is playing, I'm not joking. This is literally <laughs> what's this shit? It's the wor- it's some of the worst holiday shit I've seen, and I've seen a lot of holiday shit. Okay. You don't know what this is? Not offhand. Do you have any? I feel clues? like you're gonna know as soon as I tell you. Okay. It's Vince Vaughn running in a Santa hat. How do you not know what, this? Uh, this could be any number of things, I guess. Hasn't he made a bunch of dumb holiday movies? Has he? He's made like Four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon. That's is not this one. Yeah, and then there's a movie where he plays Santa's brother, Fred Claus. There you ding, ding, is, ding, is ding, ding, it? ding, ding, ding. It's Fred saw, Claus. I never saw Fred Claus. Fred well. Claus has an overqualified supporting cast, as far <laughs> as I recall. You've got um, Paul Giamatti playing <laughs> actual Santa Claus. You have... Real Santa. Okay, and I know this name is not going to do anything for anybody, you know, for obvious reasons right now. But in 2008 or whenever this movie came out, this was a bigger deal. Kevin Spacey is like the villain of this movie, right? <laughs> You've got Miranda Richardson, the great Miranda Richardson as Mrs. Claus or some some shit like that. And, and, and I don't know. There's some other people in there. Isn't Emily Blunt in that movie? Or maybe I just made that up. Anyway, Fred Claus, not a movie I've seen. I mean, you know an awful lot about this film to have not seen it. But, I, but what else? I know. But uh, I just, again, maybe go watch it because, because the fact that they crank up like bird, 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 bird is a word, bird, 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 and their Santa's running to it. I was like, oh, wow. They yeah. just, honestly, you somebody may have reached sold me on into this. the deep depths of hell and pulled out <laughs> bullshit, and Vince Vaughn is just covered in it. So that was what's the shit. You kind of got it. All right, let's go. Big, big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big bucks. No whammies. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. Here we go. Stop. So, Rachel. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've looked at our weather report. I have not. Recently, I have not. But What's it's happening? Time for the filmmaker lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> we pay extra for good, that. We pay like, extra for that. Thunderclap. I, I, I could have done better with that. Anyway, 
uh, I guess that that reflects the sort of um, tenor of the filmmaker we'll be discussing today. Oh, for sure. Um, in light of his recent uh, Netflix release, Hillbilly Elegy, um, we're going to talk about the films of Mr. Ronnie Howard, an Academy Award winning director. And one, I am to understand, who doesn't get a lot of respect from you. Oh, he's a he's a Academy Award winning hack. Oh, goodness. Oh, he's made some good movies. In Has fact, he? Let us uh, begin the lightning round with a movie by Ron Howard that you like. Is there one? Oh, I'll, yes, there is actually Splash. Is that the only one? Um, I mean, Splash is good. I don't mean to Splash like, is good. But you're just like, yes, there's one. It's Splash and everything else is bullshit. I think I'm, I feel like I like Parenthood, but I also haven't watched it in a long time. And uh, I feel yeah. like if I revisited it, I would not like it. I fully haven't seen Parenthood since the early 1990s. Yeah. So I couldn't weigh in on that one either. Uh, though I think it, it its reputation is, is pretty good um, for whatever that's worth. Um, he's made more than one good movie, I would say. Splash is good. Um, I, I guess the one I'm going to mention here, uh, I'm not going to mention Apollo 13. I feel like that's the one that everybody holds up as like the good Ron Howard movie. Everybody but me. Oh. I don't like that film. The, okay. Well, Sam, take note of that, um, that Rachel doesn't like Apollo 13. Uh, I didn't even realize anybody else liked it either. Like, like I was really? so in the dark. I was like, I didn't know anybody liked that movie. Okay. Anyway, let's go well, I, ahead. Okay. Let's go ahead. This I, is not I'm the five-minute fight. I'm going to bring up his, his 2013 film Rush, which is a okay. movie uh, about uh, a uh, racing uh, rivalry um, that I think is really good and underrated. Okay. Um, very well shot, that movie. Oh, good for him. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I can't ask the question if there is a movie uh, by Ron Howard that you like more than most people, because apparently that does not, such a thing does not oh, exist. There definitely isn't. And I mean, I am glad he's finally making some competent films, because after 100 years of filmmaking, it should look pretty good. I agree. Well, depending on how you feel about Hillbilly Elegy, if you watch that, you I might take yet. that back. I um, haven't yet, but you know my feeling about Hillbilly Elegy, which is I'm definitely going to watch it because this is my one, this is where I feel like I've mentioned it before. It's my one chance to finally get at Amy Adams. So I feel like we can go ahead and mark down Hillbilly Elegy as a movie <laughs> that Rachel likes more than most people. Um, what's yeah, wait, a, I said Amy Adams, right? So yes, yes yeah. put it in the list. What What's a movie by Ron Howard that you don't like? Oh, okay. I'm going to I hate A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, it's not good. It's so terrible. The makeup at the end and when they pull that song out, I just want to kill everyone. I want, I think I saw that. I saw it with it's some situation where somebody was actually crying and I was like what is happening? It was my first glimpse at the fact that most people are freaking horrible. Wow. Um did you see the new Charlie Kaufman movie earlier this year? <laughs> yeah, I did. You know did you the the like word for word like mockery of the ending of that movie? Um I don't that like movie? that film either. Sam, mark that down. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, another five minute. Fight. I was thinking of ending things. Ooh, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. I'm thinking of flipping this table. Oh Let's my God. focus on the lightning All right, round. Lightning round. Um, okay. Uh, what's a film by Ron Howard that I don't like besides the ones that have already come up? Uh, I'll go with How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the live action adaptation starring <laughs> Jim Carrey, which is the worst looking movie ever made. <laughs> Um, and a movie by Ron Howard that you might feel like you need to revisit. Is there one? Is there anything in his filmography um, you'd like to take another look at? Why would I not want to take another look at Far and Away? Because oh, yeah, well, Nicole yeah. Kidman, my wife, is in it. So I will watch that again. But let me tell you a funny story about Far and Away. Since Please. we have all the time in the world so, here well, to Ron waste. Ron Howard is, is obviously like... 
you know, such rich uh, material for conversation. <laughs> exactly. Well, Far and Away stars, uh, am I wrong? It's Nicole Kidman and, and Tom Cruise, Tommy right? Tom Cruise, that's okay. right. Okay, so this is, and I remember thinking when I watched this film as a much, much, much younger person, they're so in love and they're going to be together forever. Anyway, I just really like the fact that I really believed in their love and Far and Away. And, um, you know. Times change. This is a tangent inappropriate for the lightning round, but how many movies did they make together? She's um, in Days of Thunder, Three, right? I think. Days of Thunder. Far and Away and Far Eyes and Wide Shut? Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's it. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. Um, I, I would like to revisit um, a couple, I guess. Um, like I said, Parenthood, I haven't seen that in a long time. Um I feel like I'd like to revisit Cocoon at some point, even though I don't think I'm going to like it. You're not. Um, oh, you're not going to like it. <laughs> um, and then there are a couple others here and there. Um, there are also some some well-regarded Ron Howard movies that I haven't seen, like The Paper, his, his uh, newspaper comedy drama with Michael Keaton. That looks terrible. There's so many films, too, that look terrible. I'll tell you what I do like about Cocoon. Okay. Is that it's referenced in Say Anything. That's the only thing I like about Cocoon is that thing? when he when he goes to the the elderly home, the old folks home, as they say. You got Wilford Brimley in there, right? Though, like, you, so that's good. I, Wilford Brimley is a total asshole. What? That guy is a dick. I, I don't mean, maybe, but <laughs> I don't it's care Wilford for Brimley. one minute about Wilford Brimley. Oh, come on. Anyway, only good thing about Cocoon is it's mentioned and say anything. Moving on. Well, that's the career of Ron Howard, which also spans like any number, like twenty four other movies that we didn't mention here. You don't, you don't have a strong opinion on Ed TV or Ransom or. You know what's funny fucking... is half of these films that you mentioned. There's a film that came like a few years before it that was a better version of yeah, it. Yeah, like the Truman Show and Ed TV, yep. and yeah, and no, like totally. like what was the the pa- the paper and broadcast news came before it or something that feels yeah, like the in the same. Broadcast news came out like five years before it. So exactly, like, I feel like there's like I feel like a film comes out and five years later, Ron. Howard makes a poor man's version of it. Um, it's we didn't even talk good. about the Da Vinci Code. Oh, it's trilogy. so bad. Okay, it's just so terrible. I mean, I don't disagree. Well, anyway, uh, Ron Howard, he's made some good movies. Seems like a nice guy. Rachel thinks he's a hack. What else can you say about him? Um, it's nothing. So, <laughs> thanks for the filmmaker lightning round. This was great, everybody. Saddest <laughs> filmmaker lightning round yet. Yeah. And now, fast film terms. Fast Film Terms. Got one for you. This is a fast thing in Fast Film Terms. You ready? It's a whip pan. Whip pan. It's when you pan the camera really fast, right? That's right. It's a really super fast pan. And it's actually really cool because it's... it, it will allow you to hide and edit. It will allow you to sort mm-hmm. of transition to something in this really kind of fun way. Um, you see a lot of them in Scott Pilgrim. I, I always think of like the really coked up scenes in Boogie Nights. That too. And so it is this sort of really, really uh, dynamic way of, of transitioning, but you can hide a cut in it, you know, and so it works really well. Anyway, that's a whip pan, a really fast pan, uh, as you might have guessed from the term whip pan, which is also just really fun to say. Whip pan. And then um, this one is really stupid. You ready? Okay. Yep. Python Wrangler. It's, well, the handler who brings the snake onto set and says, okay, the snake is ready for its close-up. And, okay. You're wrong, even though I'm sure that that person does exist as well. Very dumb, but it is a person who, and this would be, this wouldn't be relevant to, um, you know, smaller indies because this person would just be like the producer. Mm -hmm. This person might even be the lead actor. And that is just somebody who, you know, um, wrangles cords and cables. Uh, They tend to work in the sound department. 
And, you know, they can even jump in as a boom operator. So, you know, again, it's one of those jobs that you would probably have on a really, really big budget film when you've got, you know, everybody has their own assigned area, et cetera. Just making it sound more dramatic by calling the cords pythons. Yeah, exactly. Well, we know they're called stingers. That's That's true. That's a previous fast film term. That's right. So, yeah, you're just a cable wrangler when you're a python wrangler. It's just a really dramatic way. Why we don't just say cable wrangler, I don't know, but I'm sure most people do. And this is just a stupid film term. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. What are you watching right now? All right, we're going to talk about a recent Netflix release that is just setting the world on fire, and not in a good way. It's literally setting fires. Um, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's a movie called Hillbilly Elegy, the latest from Ron Howard, starring Amy Adams, Glenn Close, and some other white people. Um, <laughs> this is based on the memoir by a guy named J.D. Vance, who grew up uh, impoverished in a small Ohio town. His family roots are in Kentucky. It's all Appalachian. He, he grew up in, in these dying sort of industry towns that you see so many examples of across the American Midwest and used that to join the Marines and eventually get into Yale Law and become, I don't know, like a conservative heritage fonta- foundation guy. Uh, so this memoir took the world by storm when um, you know who was elected president four years ago and held up as this example of you know the the hidden um, population of uh, impoverished and agonized white people whose um, uh, suffering or whatever um, led to the election of, of that guy. Um, people kind of thought that argument was bullshit then, but it didn't stop Ron Howard and Netflix from making a movie <laughs> about it, uh, which uh, he has done um, by stripping away virtually any sort of political level or perspective that one might have on this material and instead focused on the uh, capital A acting on display from Adams and and Close, uh, who de-glam it up. Yeah, um, they do. And um, Adams, you know, is playing the uh, the main character, J.D. Vance's mother, who's a strung out uh, heroin addict. Uh, Close is playing his grandmother who looks like everybody's grandmother circa the 1980s and 1990s with the big glasses and the poofy hair and whatnot. This movie's terrible. Um, it's, it's terrible because it has nothing to say. It's terrible because uh, it, it is very clearly an empty vessel meant to sort of house these these big performances that that are only calibrated to get the attention of oscar voters it's a cynical uh deeply stupid deeply unsatisfying movie on just about every level but amy adams um you know is amy adams so you know maybe you'll like it i I, I probably will because Um, amy adams it sucks I still am somehow like I've seen all the I've seen I have seen all the promo stills from it right I've seen it sort of you know marketed to me it, it knows its audience well it, but it, and I'm thinking when I look at it I'm like how I'm still maybe need psychological help because I'm still thinking she's fine okay how many how many performances <laughs> would you say Amy Adams has given that you would consider bad zero okay well this will be one because <laughs> uh, she starts you know. Not only is her character a drug addict, she is 
evidently, even though the film doesn't explore this bipolar, and she starts with that knob cranked all oh, the way good. up to 11. Damn. And there is no, like, variability from there. I mean, almost from, you know, the word go. Ah, oh, shit. Um, it, she is just chewing into everything. I don't usually think she's bad either. In fact, I... I would would say I think Amy Adams is one of the most reliably good actresses working right now. But boy, did this not work for her. You know what? Thirst for an Oscar can take you to some crazy places. Well, this is this is exactly what we have from Adams and Close in this movie. My hot take, though, Glenn Close, despite the ridiculousness of this character, not a terrible performance. She's all right. And that's the most generosity I can muster for Hillbilly Elegy. Well, that's kind of you. I will watch and we will discuss. Um, maybe not on the podcast because it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's maybe even worth that. But uh, but but we will talk. Um, I can. I'll talk a little bit about what I've been watching. Please. And uh, I'm going to sort of mention two things and kind of go through them pretty quickly. One okay. of which is a more of a new release kind of a situation, and one is uh, you know is older, and that is uh, Ammonite. I yeah. saw it at the, at the cinema. Um, I don't think I've mentioned that before, but ha- I maybe I did. I think you did. Okay. Well, then we'll skip that. Um, it is very good. It is very, very good. I can't wait to see it. Uh, and I'll go straight to uh, Urban Cowboy. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I just, I don't know why I did this, but Thanksgiving night, I visited a couple of friends. Nobody flip out. We all did all the right things. It's fine. <laughs> it's going to be okay. There were only three of us. It's all right. And um, I set up a screen, a projector, as one does, and uh, and screened, I don't know why, Urban Cowboy was just, I went with instinctual programming, and it ended up being the perfect note for a pandemic Thanksgiving. And I just, you know, I've seen the film many, many times, um, dozens and dozens. I can see that you're, you're, you're fidgeting a bit. I, I've never seen it. Okay, well, you need to watch it, because I feel like that's going to be a five-minute fight, oh in which God. I will support and win on Urban Cowboy. Um, it is a great film. Hmm. It is an amazing film. And it does, is it problematic? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, our, our good friend Bradford and I will talk uh, at length about the issues with domestic abuse in this film um, mm. and what that and, and I don't know. We have, we've had some very detailed conversations about it landing on uh, some, you know, landing at a place that isn't it doesn't bring us to an answer. A surprise. Um, but it is, an, it, is an interest, it is a very interesting subtext of the film um, and one that is highly problematic. Uh, but it's a great movie. Um, a very young De- Deborah Winger. Oh, a, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know she Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Um, a very beautiful um, John Travolta. Well, of course. And uh, starts the film out with it with a raggly old beard and shaves it off. And there's a they take a great the cinematographer takes a great bit of time revealing. I mean, we go from a very slow pan from the boots up to the face and then linger on the face for a long time. Once that beardless little those beardless little chops are revealed. Um, And that's a wonderful moment in the film. So as many, many are. As a matter of fact, you just stumble in Gillies on your average Tuesday night and Bonnie Raitt's on the stage. It's that level of ridiculous that yeah. I appreciate. Um, they go to a prison rodeo and they're wearing matching Western shirts. There's just nothing like it. So I, I stand by this decision to screen this on a holiday. I also just stand by this film. And so you'll watch it and we'll talk. Sounds like it worked out. It did. Well, that's about enough of all that. Um <laughs> Thank you for listening to Side Talks. Uh, we are your own personal cinematic, Mary Kate and Ashley, which I think I might have done before. But you know what? The Smoking Olsen sisters, like I just, 
I, there's never enough. Anyway, thank Wait, you for okay. listening. Now, now we need to dig into this. Your version of the Olsen twins, the, the version that you that comes to your mind is like older, like cigarette smoking, absolutely. like married to French people. Olsen oh, twins. absolutely. And just like putting out, you know, putting out cigarettes on tables and then doing rails. I don't see the, my version. My mental version of the Olsen twins is like full house era Olsen twins. Yeah. Well, same difference. Anyway, thank you for listening to Side Talks and uh, SidewalkFest.com. Thank you to Batwall Studios and... Uh, we're on social media. Um, check us out uh, at Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and uh, check out our website as well, SidewalkFest.com. Yeah, it's a .com situation, not a .org dot or a org. .tv. Or dot, I, no, it's a .com. I had, to, I had to do a quick, you know, check. .comer. Bye! Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.